So if you've been involved in church any season of life, you've heard these things. And um, I always talk about this thing called church world, which is a, just a, it's a different world, right? It's, a, it's church world. We have our own lingo, our own terms. We have our own, you know, if you grew up a youth group kid or a church kid, you know, we have, you like grew up in a, literally a different culture. Right? Like you knew VeggieTales before you knew Power Rangers. Right? You didn't, right? You can watch Harry Potter maybe or read it. <gasps> oh my gosh. You know? Or, and, and, and so church world is a weird world. And when we talk about the elephant in the room, uh, one of the things that I had a couple people mention is that what, what do you do when the, you get hurt at church? What do you do when this world and this place that's supposed to be a connection and encounter with our Creator and our Savior, what happens if in that setting you get hurt? If you're in church long enough, you are bound to get hurt. And it's really, in some ways, popular right now to be hurt by the church. Or to be like, oh, I'm done with church because church hurt me, or I went through this thing, or this pastor said this, or this leader did this, and I'm done. I'm hurt by it. And I get it. Church is a little weird. Anybody? We get up on Sunday morning <laughs> and come together. And some of we dress up, kind of. They used to dress up a lot. You know? We sing songs. We're not really, it's not a concert. It's like a thing we're singing together. You listen to some, no one sits and listens to anyone talk anymore for 30 minutes. So God bless you. <laughs> Church is kind of strange. It's goofy. If you're around the culture enough, if, you get, if you're part of different denominations and different experiences, it gets strange sometimes, right? There's televangelists, and you're like, what's up with that? Two private jets you need? I don't know. Is that maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Right? There's been lots of terrible things happened, you know, like, like uh, there's the abuse that's gone on in the church throughout the years, and there's all sorts of stories of control and power, and if you get on the internet for five seconds, you can find a list of people in churches that are in all sorts of crazy spots. It's funny, I, I have been personally hurt by church. I've been hurt by pastors. I've been hurt by leaders. I've been, I, I think I, I left ministry. I was in ministry when I was 20 to like 20 to 21, 19, 19 to 21, and I left. I was like, I'm never going to do it again because it was just, it was too much. I've been through hard, hard seasons. Also, I've hurt people, just so you know, I've hurt people. I've hurt as a leader. I've said things and done things that have hurt people intentionally or not intentionally. Like, yeah, take that. <laughs> Maybe one time. I'll tell you that story sometime. <laughs> but sometimes unintentionally, sometimes I was so driven by my own vision or I was so driven by my own um, agenda and my own schedule that I just, I hurt people and I probably have hurt some of you. Sorry. It's a tricky place to be involved in church because really it's an intimate thing that happens. You know, the most intimate and most important relationship you have is with God and with our Savior, with Jesus. And then all of a sudden you hear all this thing like, he's your father, and we are brothers and sisters, and so we're family. And then when hurt happens in that setting, it's really difficult to process and to understand. It can be something that can change the trajectory of your life, change the way you see God, can change the way you see each other. And ultimately what's happening culturally is it's so popular to hate the church. It's easy, too. Oh, man. I can go all day. It's easy. It's fun. Like, look at this video. This guy, oh my gosh, what's he doing? Right? It's so easy. So I'm going to pray. We're going to talk about how do we, what do we do with all this? Lord, I thank you that you are um, our Savior and our Lord. We follow you, Lord. I thank you that you died for your church. That you were the head of your church. 
God, and you said upon your church, you, you will put this vision upon people and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. As broken, as messed up as we are. God, we also acknowledge that there's been lots of things done. A lot of sin, a lot of brokenness, a lot of hurt, anger, cynicism. So God, would you just uh, sort through it all in our hearts right now? We love you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to say before we, before we get too in the, in the guts of things, which is disgusting to say. Um, you might not have been involved in the church a long time, so you might not have, this might be not a connection to you, but every single one of us come in with some sort of bias towards the church. You know, I have so many friends that would love to come. They like us. They've met you, some of you. They're like, oh, they'd love to come to church, but to come to church is like, no way. That's why whenever anyone comes for the first time, I'm like, oh, you are so brave. You did it, right? So first of all, what is the church? Is the church a building? Is it our this week, our 15, if we're lucky? Is it a name or a brand? Is it this club? Is it a building? Is it a space? So this is what scripture talks about is the church. First of all, the most important thing to understand is the church is just people. All the church is is just people, the people of God. It's people that are called sons and daughters, people that get to be brothers and sisters. There's two key uh, Greek words that connect to the church. The first one I've talked about at times is called koinonia. And the word literally means being together, like a family, a community, a fellowship, to be together and enjoy each other. Because the church ultimately has, you know, we come to a church, we're in this building, which we'll talk about in a second, but ultimately all the church is is God's people. And when we are in relationship, where we love each other, where we're there for each other, when, we, when you hurt, I hurt, when you, you're happy, I'm happy, when we live this life together, when you help with my kids, I help with your kids, this is the beauty of life, right? That when we do that in the name of Jesus, it's called the koinonia, the fellowship, the communion, a partnership. Matthew 18 says this, it says, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you are on earth, agree about anything that you ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So the church is a two, is a two or three gathering, right? There's something, so it's a, you can bind things on earth and things will be loose from heaven when two or more of you are together. It doesn't take this, a building or a microphone or good lights or great singers or anything to have church. What, what church is, is it's, it's two or more together. And when that happens, something profound happens. The kingdom of God comes into that place. So when you have great conversations with friends about the Lord and that Christ is invited into this setting, whether it's on the phone or in person or whatever, you're having some church. That's what church is. Church is people. It's people being together. It's gathering in the name of Jesus. It's people connecting to heaven sharing lives and community and friendships, sitting around and telling good stories about your past and how God's worked, sharing testimony of what God's done. The church is people. It can happen anywhere. Next thing, so church is people. Second thing is church is a gathering. So why do we have to have all these buildings? Why do we, is it all about the building? Do we have to be, have church to be here? Well, not necessarily, but the word for uh, a, the gathering of believers is this word ecclesia. And it was the gathering, it was the early church, the word they used for the early church was when they would all, from their homes and from their families, they would share and they would be together, but when they, they would all get together in a public place and they would worship together. 
the gathering of believers, the ecclesia. And it's, it's an assembly in a public place. So it can happen in a house, it can happen in a church, it can happen wherever. So we have this opportunity to gather together in a church, all of us. You guys would not fit in my house, okay? Right? They would, we would not maybe fit in your house, maybe some of your houses, I don't know. Invite us over, we'll try. Um, and cook good food. If that happens, then we're good. We're going to be just great. So people, the attitude towards church right now is like, oh, we don't need churches, we don't need buildings or whatever. It's like, yeah, that's fine. But really the word means that we gather together in one place. And so we have a building. We gather together in one place. Ephesians 2 says, For through him we both have access to the Spirit and t- by one Spirit. And this is consequently. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, which Jesus Christ himself gave as a chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to welcome the holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you are, to, you are too being built up together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So God doesn't show up here because we are in a church building. God is here because he's with his people. And we don't, we can, I think it is unwise of us to discredit buildings and building projects and things like that. I don't think, because the more people that we have together in one place, encountering God is more parts of the body to get to work together for his glory. I can have four or five people in my house. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. That's church. We can have 60 or 80 or 100 or there's churches of 20,000. That's great. It's a gathering of believers. And however that happens is a win if we gather in the name of Jesus. So the church is people. Church is ultimately always people. People saved by Jesus. People in love with God. People gathering in God's name. And we get the opportunity to gather together in this place. It's a people and it's a gathering. When we come together, something different happens than when we're alone with God, right? And I would suggest, I've been in experiences with lots of people worshiping together, and there's something that happens that doesn't happen always with just two of us. Not one is better than the other, but that's what church is about. Gathering together in some capacity, and then we're just people. We're doing okay? That's what church is supposed to be. Now, we've probably been at churches, and we're like, uh, doesn't seem like that's what church is always about. So why does church hurt? Why does church hurt? Because church is made up of people. The problem is, is church is made up of broken people. See, the church, we get hurt at church because we forget that we are just people, that we are just broken, that we are sinful, that we have things that we, we have, yeah, right? We have just things in our minds, and we have selfish ambition, we have our own sin, and what happens is, we get hurt at church because people are broken and people hurt other people, right? It's very, it makes a ton more sense to be like, oh, the church hurt me. Well, the reality is that some dude hurt you, some leader hurt you, some person hurt you. And to lump the whole church into this thing, again, not that it justifies what, what happened, but the church is just made up of broken people. When I have that understanding, I, it really gives me so much more peace on how do I function in this thing called church. Listen, I'm just a person. You're just a person. If you hurt me as a brother or a sister of Christ, we get the opportunity to reconcile that. Okay? The problem is, is that we don't always reconcile. We don't always 
leaders haven't very well owned the brokenness that they've caused. Pastors haven't always owned their own sin. And it's been more about just telling you how bad you are. Leaders haven't always put aside their own drive and their own vision and their own, I'm going to build this thing so that we can care and take care of people. That's obvious, right? But the reality is that just, just a broken brother or she's just a broken sister, just like you. The problem is people have selfish ambition. Uh, we can so easily spiritualize control, right? Oh, God told me you're supposed to do this. Oh, you can't tell me that. Well, I'm the leader, so, right? You're not spiritual enough. Philippians 2 says, If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection or sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind and having the same love, by being in full accord and of one mind. And then it's almost like they knew kind of how things were going to go in our lives right now. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant as yourselves. Let each of you look not only at your own interests, but also as the interests of others. Have this, this mind among yourselves just as yours in Christ Jesus. See, what happens when I get hurt by the church, quote-unquote, is I have forgotten that that person that has said those things or done those things to me or the things I've done to those people, that we're just people. And it, the more you follow Christ, the more you are engulfed in his presence and experience him, the more you realize the beauty of your own brokenness, that, man, I'm still broken, I'm still selfish, but God is continuing to love me and to use me and to, to, to see me as pure and he's still put a new identity in me. And when I forget about that and when I put someone on a pedestal or when I feel like I'm on a pedestal, that's when people get hurt. But you and I, we're just people. See, the way that we're supposed to lead is we're supposed to lead all people towards Jesus, right? We're supposed to push people towards Jesus, not push people to look at each other as spiritual whatever, beings. Okay, we can be mentors. We can be spiritual fathers and mothers. But ultimately, we are just sons and daughters. We're brothers and sisters, and we have to put that in perspective to help us so that when we get hurt, we're not like, oh, this is God, this is the way the church is, this is what happens. And some culture is like that. I get it. Sometimes, like, I've, I've been, I grew up in a church where the pastor sat on the stage, right, and the pastor had the first parking spot with his Cadillac, right? And they would, like, out-worship each other on stage. You'd watch them, like, this is strange, right? Maybe that was just me that experienced that, okay? <laughs> Maybe I need some, some therapy, but... And it seemed like there was such a disconnect, right? But in reality, we are brothers and sisters, right? Do we submit to each other in leadership? Absolutely, that's part of service. So the, one of the reasons why we get hurt is because church is made up of people, and people are broken, and people hurt people, ultimately. Look at the best relationships you have. You have hurt that person. I have hurt that person. I've said things selfishly. I've done things. And the more you get to know someone, the worse it is, right? Because you can't hide. You can't put it all. And you have to work through it, right? Our marriage was like, right, it was just like, oh, we're so in love. You know, 14 years and a couple weeks, May 21st. <laughs> I remembered. But then you get married and you're like, who is this person? You're so selfish. You're, you know, because there's no hiding anymore. And that's what happens in church. We're family, and when you get to know each other more and more, there's no hiding. And we have one or two things. Oh, this person is hurt me. 
Or you can realize, listen, we're family. We will hurt each other because that's what people do. But we also have a Savior who has forgive, forgives all hurt and has given us grace beyond what we can ever see so that we can offer that grace to other people because we're just people. Second reason why we get hurt at church, are we doing okay? Is that we, focus, we shift our focus off of Jesus and we focus on anything but Jesus. Whenever you focus in, in a spiritual setting on anything but Jesus and his mission, it gets goofy, right? It gets goofy. Then you get fights about chairs and fights about how loud it is and fights about whatever. It gets a little loud, I'm sorry. First Corinthians, this is so funny. Because we think like, oh yeah, in today's day and age, it's so bad. It's like, no, no, no. There's nothing new under the sun. So First Corinthians, the early church in Corinth, Paul is talking to the church and just telling them, because they are messed up. They are some messed up people, like you guys. <laughs> and me, and me. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and all that all of you agree, and that there should be no divisions among you, and that you will be unified in the same mind and the same judgment. For it was reported to me by Cleo's people that there is some quarreling among you, my brothers. That I mean, someone's texting you a lot, honey. Thanks. And I mean that that to each of you who says, "I follow Paul, I follow Paulus, I follow Cephas." Or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I was baptized. I baptized none of you except Crispus, which is a cool name, and Gaius. As that no one may, may say that you were baptized in my name, I did baptize also the house of Cephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptize anyone else. Thanks, Paul, for this inner dialogue in the letter, but whatever. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So Paul is saying, listen, what's going on here? All of a sudden, no, I follow this person, I go to this church, I'm a part of this group. He's like, whoa, aren't we one in Christ Jesus? Did this person die for you? Did that person baptize you? Or did the Savior of the world, are we, are we followers of Jesus together? And he knew, he knew it then because it was happening right away. And he knows it now. That we don't need to have all this whatever stuff. We have the power of an empty tomb. And we have the resurrection of a Savior. And whenever we get our eyes off those things, it gets strange. Right? Anyone ever experienced that? Whenever you get your eyes off that, then it gets to be about lots of things. You know, it can be about a building and, or it can be about like making sure these people are happy and this people are happy and everyone's happy. Is everyone happy? Good. Just so you know, if everyone's happy, it's not always, it's not always unity. Sometimes we put leaders on a pedestal and we think they're the only ones who hear from God. Sometimes I, we see people building a kingdom and maybe not bringing the kingdom to earth. Sometimes we get so driven by a vision that we just plow through people in our path. Oh, we're going to reach the city for Jesus, so get out of my way, you know? <laughs> Leaders, we have to lead people towards the Good Shepherd. We have to help be honest about our own drive, our own aspirations, our own ambitions. If you lead anything ever, you have to be honest about those things so you lead people in the right way. 
We, leave it, we should leave it, lead as servants, and we should lead people towards Christ to be committed to his life and his mission. And when that gets off, right, it gets goofy, right? And sometimes it happens where you're like, is this all about this, or is it all about Jesus, is it, you know, and there's, those are great questions to have, and those are good conversations to talk about, but sometimes it just gets off, and it hurts people. We've experienced it. Are we good? So, we get it. It's strange. Go on YouTube and t- type something in about church, and you'll see all sorts of crazy stuff that happens. That's the bad news, but how do we heal? The biggest thing, and I think this is really, really, really important, is that the church did not hurt you. The church did not hurt you. The church is Christ's body. The church is, is Jesus' bride who he died for. When he went for the cross, he was, he's like, man, I'm going to give my ministry to these people. And people for all of history are going to carry this and continue on what I do. And Jesus does not hurt. God does not hurt. People hurt. So for us to say, oh, I'm, I'm done with the church, I'm done. Hurt me too many times. I'm three churches in, they've hurt me too much. It's like, no, people have hurt you. The church does not hurt because the church is Christ. And Christ is our Savior and our brother, and he loves you so deeply. And God is, it says in Deuteronomy, he is a rock. His works are perfect, and his ways are just. He's a faithful God who does no wrong. He's upright, and he is just. And what happens is we associate, what happens is when you get hurt in a context of a church family, is event you get mad and you're like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then what you do is you associate that with our Savior. You associate that with God. And what the enemy will use in that is he's like, oh, well, maybe since this person was trying to control or Aaron was a jerk, maybe God's a jerk. Maybe God just wants to control you. Maybe this whole thing is just about making drones of the world or whatever doubt you feel. And when you associate the hurt that you have or you've experienced, that I've experienced, that I have done with God, then the enemy can disconnect you from the body. God's heart is never for you to disconnect from the body of believers, whether it's two or thousand or 10,000 or 50. People hurt people, not the church. It doesn't discredit what the church can do. Listen, when the church was birthed in Acts chapter 2, it was everything that could happen, politically, military-wise, socially, economically, everything to kill that thing was trying to do that. And all the church did was explode across the whole world. All it did was transform communities with the love of Jesus. And every... 500 to 1,000 years, there'd have to be this reformation of the church because people would get involved. And what would happen? Control and power and dysfunction. And we don't want to help these people. We're not going to help the poor. It's all about this. It's all about that. Or they get so off kilter. And so then there's Martin Luther. And he's like, no, no, no. Not one person hears from God. The saints of Christ get to hear from God. We do not have to have one person atone for our sins. The whole world is atoned for by Jesus Christ. And then there's people that came across, like John Wesley and other missionaries that came to America, and they actually did so much good. And I know all you hear about is the bad that the church has done. But all the church has done throughout the world is build orphanages and take care of the poor and love and love and love. And places have done bad things, trust me. 
Because no matter how dysfunctional or how much I get involved in my own flesh, Jesus' church will continue forever. Because it's his church. He builds it. He's in charge of it. There's this uh, new hip thing that hip people like to do. And it's called, they're called the Duns. Where they're done with church. And I'm going to try to be very nice here. You cannot be done with the church. Because Jesus is never done with you. I know it feels so good to be mad. I know it feels so good to be enlightened and really smart and you get it and no one else does. I get that. But Jesus is never done with you, so you don't get to be done with his body. You don't get to. And it's your own pride. It's your own pride. And what, you're, what you could do is you could come and try to be a voice of help and love and service to people who are learning and growing and growing and trying to figure it out. As great realization this morning when we were praying, I'm like, man, we are just trying to figure this thing out, aren't we? I don't want to be a professional Christian. I want to be a Christ follower who gets to just try my best. Try my best together with all of us to reach this city, to love people. So you can't associate your hurt with God or with the church because it's not. And it's not justified either. People try to control you. People focus way too much on money. People try to manipulate. People have marginalized people. We've abused. Things have happened. It doesn't negate all those things, but it doesn't allow you to disconnect from his body because Jesus died for you and for me. And that we are, His body is the hope for this world. So the thing you can do, next thing is you forgive and don't get cynical. It says in Ephesians 2, by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace I have been saved through faith. It is not of my own doing. It is a gift of God, not a, reserve, not a result of any works that I've done, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him so they could walk with him. Listen, I think we should be really honest about the hurt we've experienced, the dysfunction we've had. We'll, we'll get together with friends, and we'll talk about our funny church stories from growing up, and it's so funny. We laugh a lot. And it's just weird stuff, but it doesn't, but, but we get an opportunity not to get cynical and not to get hard-hearted, but just to forgive and then try to shape a better experience for people. As followers of Jesus, we talked about this last year, those who have been forgiven much love much. As best we can, we should seek reconciliation. Do I think that people should never leave a church? Absolutely not. I used to be like, when I was young and smart, definitely not that anymore. But I used to be like, what's up with all these denominations? It's so, if we could just be one church and unified and blah, blah. And I don't believe that anymore. Right? Because if you go to other churches, you'll experience that different churches have different calls of the kingdom. Different churches have different aspects by which they feel like they are called to do. And that's great, because we are the body of Christ. That means, if you read in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, like, the eye doesn't want to be an ear, the ear doesn't want to be a foot, a foot doesn't want to be an arm, right? I believe, and I think, every church has a call of God that is an integral part of the body of Christ for that city. That 
one church will never reach people effectively. No revival in all of his human history ever happened because one church was like, we're going to be really good at it. Every revival happened when the leaders of all denominations and community came and they prayed first on their faces and repented for their own sin. And then as a family, each all meeting together and doing their own thing and having their own vibes and whatever they do, that's when the revival happened. So do I think you should stay at a church if you got hurt and it's, you're not feeling it? No, I don't think that. Do I think that you should ask God and you should seek reconciliation or you should talk to those leaders? Absolutely. But I think what happens is we, we are drawn to a place where we start maybe attending a certain place or church or whatever, campus ministry or whatever, and there's things you like, things you don't like, and then, but what you're doing is you're shaping your values. See, you and I are called by God to be a certain way. I'm called to live a certain way, be a certain way. I have certain gifts that I have. There's gifts I definitely don't have. But my, so what's going to happen is you have landed here at 23 because we share certain values. Because there's things that we all collectively want to do in the community that this church, XYZ, might not want to do, and that doesn't mean they're evil. It just means we're a different part of the body. And we, when we all do the things that we feel like we're called to do and the right people get in the room who share the same values, then we can do profound things together, and everyone wins. So the church, when, when you're hurt, it doesn't mean that, oh, man, I have to leave the church, I'm hurt. You might have to, though, because... One of the reasons why God allows hurt in church experience, why, or why God allows hurt in any part of your life, is because he wants you to, to shape your values. He, you and I have been created to be a certain way, created in his image, given part of his body. And when we go through these things, it is not because God left and he, he, does he want you to go through those things? No, but he'll allow those things so we can shape our values so that you don't disconnect from the body, but you find a place where you can sow in and be involved and love and serve. And you'll see all sorts of brokenness because that's how it works. But you'll see yourself of, these are my people. I can be involved here. And there's been people even at, since we've started two years ago who have left and went to other churches and it's been great because I'm like, go away. <laughs> Not because I don't love you, because your heart is to engage someplace else. And that's okay. You know how much freedom that brings? But that means that there's people that hearts need to be here so that we can continue to grow and become who God wants us to be as our part of the body. 2 Peter 1 says, Therefore, my brothers and my sisters. Notice all these scriptures have the word brothers and sisters in it. Make every effort to confirm your calling and your election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Make your calling and your election sure. So that means you have to figure out who you are. And God will allow you to go through things and experience hurt and heartache and be a part of a thing that, like I've been a part of churches where I'm like, this does not resonate with me. Or a vision changes and this, the vision they're going, it's just like, I just don't, that's not my vision. It doesn't mean that this is evil. It means that our visions are different. Right? And there might be evil things happening here because there's evil things happening here sometimes. But it just means it's time to go and to connect where I can add value where my values match. I would assume you're here because we're pretty authentic. I would assume that you're here because you value that it's okay to not be okay.
and that you don't want to wear a suit on Sundays. That's the biggest thing. I don't want to wear a suit on Sundays. That's number one. Take your bad experience, take your hurt, take the past, and you violently push against cynicism in your life. And you find out, how can I now turn the... So many of us and so many of you have so much value to give. And if we allow these things just to direct us or, ah, that church. Man, you just, we're going to miss out on so much more of what God wants to do. You guys can come up and play. So someday it's going to be great because we are going to be in heaven, and that's going to be really great. And just so you know, it's going to be very diverse. Just heads up. Um, and, uh, and all this won't matter, you know? None of, none of the things, none of it will matter because Jesus will redeem the world and the church, and it'll be great. We'll talk about that another time, how that's going to work. But uh, my heart all week is for you and for me has been uh, that we would... Maybe go through and be like, is there things that is causing me cynicism? Listen, I'm bad some days. Can we be honest? Real talk? Like, you know, sometimes we have our clip. We have our clip of me talking about whatever, you know? And sometimes I'll see clips and I'll listen to them and I'll be like, whatever. Like to other people, you know? And the Lord's like, why do you do that? I'm like, I don't know. It's so easy to be cynical, isn't it? It's so easy to be like, well, this place is doing that, but we're doing this so easy to be like that. And all that is, is it's, it's things that I haven't dealt with and you haven't dealt with that God just wants to heal so that we can really celebrate what God's doing all over. And again, this is not justify the things that happened to you or that were said to you. And we could, we could, you and I could have a things that were said to you off and I would win, just so you know. And I, I'd probably win in the things that I've said to others too. I'd probably win in that too. But the beauty of God's church Christ church for you and for me is that he would he, he would use people still who are broken and who are hurting and people that have messed up and made mistakes and have blatantly said things they shouldn't have and so instead of being like oh the church did this it's like man I wonder what's going on in that guy's life I wonder why that, that that girl was so driven beyond people and I'm not fully there yet sometimes, but that's my prayer. So I'd like to pray for y'all for a couple things. First, Lord, I just pray for each person here that if there's things that, that have been done to us or things that we've done, God, we just receive and ask for forgiveness. God, I pray right now that you would disconnect the hurt from you. God, that, that you are not the one who hurts. You're not the one who causes pain. God, you're not the one who causes suffering but people do that and the enemy does that. So God, help us to disassociate those things. God, help us to forgive those people, those leaders, those pastors, those whatever. And maybe we have never had that experience, but it's the things we've seen, things we've experienced. God, we just forgive that because we know it's just people. So just take a second and just forgive those people. Remember, forgiveness starts with your words and that changes your hearts. And then the second prayer would be 
God, forgive, I ask for forgiveness. I repent of my cynicism, of my attitude towards the body of Christ, my attitude towards what the church should be or what XYZ church should do. God, I repent for my cynical heart, my attitude. God, we repent as a people that we don't want to just have this attitude towards towards a place or a person, but God, we want to be free so we can fully embrace what you've called us to be, that we have been part of this community to do something profound for your kingdom together. So God, forgive our cynicism. Forgive our hard heart. Forgive our pride. Lord Jesus, you're the one who knows. We are going to follow you. And lastly, just uh, on behalf of the body of Christ and uh, a leader and a pastor, someone who's called to pastor, um, I would just repent to all people here and to those watching for anything that anyone has done in the name of Jesus that wasn't Jesus. That God's heart is not that was not for you to get hurt and, and, and his heart hurts with you for that. So God, thank you that we are saved by grace and that we can step out of here made new and made fresh. So as we sing this song, God, would you just speak to our hearts? Would you show us maybe where we need to forgive? Would you show, show us where we've gotten a little cynical? Would you show us uh, where you need to receive forgiveness? Would you do that now as we sing? And you can just stay seated.